Shalom, Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. means family, and we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. Where the middle wall is separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere, to be red hot for the Messiah. And by the time you finish this week's interview, I'm going to tell you something. There'll be a paradigm change in your life. It's what you've always been after. I can't wait to get into it. But my guest is Dennis Clark. And uh, Dennis and I were talking a little bit before we started the show. Now, I want you to know a little bit about his background. Uh, He's watching TV one day a Christian TV show. He's not born again. Last thing on his mind. And a a, a preacher points his hand. It's as if it came right out of the screen. It was as if he was talking just to Dennis, and Dennis gets born again. And he reads the Bible, and he knows that this is God's Word. He has no unusual supernatural things happen, although it was very supernatural uh, that it just, this TV evangelist just arrested his attention. But uh, four months later, uh, he's minding his own uh, business, and all of a sudden, uh, He has a vision, no paradigm for anything supernatural. No one's ever told him anything about this. What did you see, Dennis? In my mind's eye, I saw the Godhead, an understanding that was an impression on the inside, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that I was indwelt and infused with a tremendous sense of power. Then, with my eyes wide open in the air in front of me, were letters of living light, letters that I could read, but when I read them, I did not just read them with my mind. My entire being was absorbing and reading and understanding the living words that I was seeing in front of my eyes. What did it say? It said, Grand Book and Bible, a Christian bookstore within a mile of my house. Okay, you don't have to be a mental giant. You get this you know, this amazing vision. You go to the bookstore, and what happened? I was grabbed by the arm by one of the clerks. She said, there is a man in this store that you must meet, and took me over, and the man was the author of a book that I had read, the only Christian book I had read in that four-month period outside of the Bible. And he said, you need to go to a Christian businessman's lunch. Uh, This was what, full gospel businessman? Yes, yes. Okay, so you go to the meeting, and all of a sudden you find out about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You receive the baptism. You speak in a supernatural language. How did your life change? From that moment on. There was always, and I mean always, a constant awareness of God's presence. There never was a moment that I wasn't aware of precious cargo, carrying precious cargo. I even equated it kind of like a a, a pregnant woman, seven, eight, nine months, 
she has to be about her business, but she was she will always be aware that she's carrying precious cargo. And the feelings never left. It was what I later come to understand is, of course, the fruit of the spirit, the sense of his presence. Uh, You actually had a spirit that had been harassing you your whole life broken off in 1976. You were were afraid to even share your testimony in front of people. Tell me what happened briefly. Well, I went and was invited because of the the richness of even passing on the testimony of the open vision, etc. They put me in front of a crowd of perhaps 40 people to share my testimony. And for whatever reason, out of the blue, I'm standing on this platform and I freeze. I mean, just totally freeze. I could feel shame and it was strong and powerful and I didn't understand it and walked right off the stage. You must have been even more uh, humiliated by having to walk off the stage. That must have been a a horrific experience for you. Then what happened? Absolutely. And then I went home and I said, God, I've been called to preach. I've been having all these wonderful experiences. What is wrong with me? And I knelt down by the side of a couch and I closed my eyes and it happened again. All of a sudden, in my mind's eye, like with total clarity, I saw myself at the age of perhaps nine, and I was a bedwetter. And I saw in my mind's eye a a young nine-year-old boy, me, making fists, hating himself, hating himself that he couldn't even control his own body. And the shame was, was so powerful that it was like my little secret. Nobody knew this. And I said, God, I knew it was wrong to hold unforgiveness toward anybody, but even myself. And down in my spirit, I received, this is even without words, I received forgiveness for having held such hatred for myself. And when I did, there was a, I was flooded with a peace. And all of a sudden, this thing that was like on me, like a, like a slimy stocking mask simultaneously while I felt because I felt everything in the spirit realm as a constant I felt it lift in my mind's eye it was lifting off me it was like a uh, like a burglar's stocking mask only it was slimy and ugly and as yeah, it you came know what off, this reminds me it's almost like uh, you made an oath no one is going to ever know no. that I I had this horrible habit, and you even blocked it from yourself, but you didn't block it from your real self uh, because it it limited you from fulfilling your destiny. Absolutely. And once it was lifted, was it almost immediate that you had freedom? It was immediate. As a matter of fact, I went to a local church the next day, and the first thing they said is, Dennis, we want you to share your testimony. And the first thing I did was I walked up to that pulpit and I said, I don't know if everyone's going to understand this, but I like me. And they all <laughs> laughed and thought, wow, this guy may have some issues here. But I was so full of the joy of the Lord that I felt that for the first time I received myself the way God received me. You were free. I was free. It was total freedom. And, and, and shame and it was just like it was amazing that that had been blocking the way. 
And the gifts of the Spirit, ever since you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, started flowing. And although you had a good prayer life, at least you thought you had a good prayer life, one day you are praying and you heard from God. What did he say to you? He said, ask me to teach you to pray. And at first I was a little stunned because... uh, I thought it was quite sufficient. I mean, I had learned everything I learned, I learned in prayer. Uh, uh, And he said, ask me to teach you to pray. And so then I just humbled myself and said, sure, uh, teach me how to pray. And then, to my surprise, it started immediately that day. One thought coming from the heart of God bombarding me continuously, and it must have lasted for a month. That thought was, Dennis, I'm giving you my undivided attention. And every single day, he never changed the subject, but I like soaked in it. I absorbed it. And it be- I wanted to be a partaker of that. And little did I know, only in hindsight, that rejection was being washed out of me over a period of five weeks. But in the meantime, it did something else that I thought was quite amazing, that while I had never known such acceptance, I had never known such affection, I had never, and I'm feeling these things. They were not thoughts or concepts. They were impressions that I owned and I absorbed. And then as these I'm- These were abs- new feelings. These were you. totally, I never had anything like this. I mean, I was Dennis the Menace. I mean, when I, <laughs> there was nobody saying, Dennis, you know, you're my constant delight and I'm giving you my undivided attention. But what happened was that all of a sudden, by the end of the four weeks, being bombarded with so much affection, acceptance, attention, I wanted to burst inside and say, God, I want to reciprocate. I've got to. I can't do like you, God. I can't think of you every minute, every hour. I'll try, but I can't do it like you. But, oh, God, that I could reciprocate. And that's when the voice came. And he says, you can. I've given you the equipment. Well, you know, and then for the next month, God spoke to Dennis and taught him step by step. You know what it reminds me? When I was a young believer, uh, Dennis, I got a hold of a book by uh, Brother Lawrence. It was called The Practice of the Presence of God. And this was written in in the 1600s, 1700s. And it was a a monk that his job in the monastery was washing dishes. But he had such communion with God that he was happier than if he had been president of the United States. Well, that's not a good analogy. Well, leave that one alone. But... uh, people would seek him out because they knew when they would meet him, they'd come into the presence of God. Well, I read that book and I tried to do what that book said, but it didn't work for me. And that's why I'm so excited about interviewing you because Dennis, for the next 30 days, God said to you, I'm giving you my undivided attention and I'm going to teach you how to commune with me. And I, I have just gotten a hold of your course. It's a book, it's a workbook, and it is 10 CDs. The subject is Touching God, How to Heal Your Deepest Hurts, How to Connect with God 24-7. 
And I can tell you, when you take this course, and Dennis will tell you, because he's now been teaching it for 30 years, you will learn how to commune with God 24 Seven, your gift of discernment. Oh, do you need this in these times we're living in? Yeah, someone may say something, but what's going on in that person's spirit? You're going to be able to know. You're going to be able to hear God. And here's the amazing thing. When you get cleaned up by God, you get physically healed. Well, the 10 CDs, the book, the workbook, it's an entire course. It'll take you a couple of weeks to finish. It will change your destiny. Available for a gift of $59. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. God said that he was going to teach Dennis how to pray. Oh, oh, wait a second. You said that to God or God said that to you? He said it to me as a prompting, like, ask me to teach me how to pray. But you thought you knew but, how to pray. Yeah, but I already thought I knew how. So why? But you did it anyway. I did it anyway. I mean, I would do the same. And then God said to you something that you now know it's true but you didn't know at that time. And it's true for everyone that's a real believer. That's the most amazing thing. And God said to you, I'm giving you my undivided attention. How would you like God to say that to you? (laughs) I am giving you my undivided attention. Well, I can tell you for the next 30 days, God almost dictated a course that allows you to have communion with God, to commune with him 24-7. Dennis, I have to ask you this question. What is it like to be communing with God seven days a week, 24-7? What is it like? Well, obviously it's, it's bliss, but it didn't start that way. It started in a way that there was such a strong awareness to God that there were some things I would pick up that weren't godly that I didn't want to know about. Uh, what do you mean? I, I don't understand. I would, I, I, it was like I could feel other people's hurts. I could feel their, their, their sorrow, their anger, regardless of their body language and regardless of their words. I could feel in the atmosphere the things that were not of God, and I wrestled with it. And And, uh, today you counsel and you told me when you have a husband and wife and they're they're feuding and both tell their their sides of the story, you know something beyond their words. What do you know? Correct. It's like what their spirit's saying, what they're not saying, the emotional flavor of words tells you the source. And if the source isn't good, you can tell what kind of not good that is. Because everything is compared to the presence of God. And every nuance of any negative is based on knowing the nature of the legitimate. So what you have found is most humans, because of learned behavior, 
are good actors and actresses, and to cut through all of that, you have to have the gift of discernment operating. That's what you're describing. Correct. Correct. Uh, There was a woman that came to one of your meetings, Dennis, in 1997. Uh, This was an educated woman. She had a PhD. She was a a psychologist, uh, and she was a counselor, and uh, you had... A, a, a really tough case of someone that walked up and she's thinking to herself, oh, I would have to have this woman in counseling for years before she would ever get better. And in a matter of minutes, her life was transformed. And she said, I got to meet this guy, Dennis, uh, because what he just did, I want to find out how to do this. Now, when she walked up to meet you at the end of the meeting, did you have a clue that she was going to be your wife? Yes. Yes. I, oh, come on now. Yeah, you know too much. I know. <laughs> that was that was a season of total miraculous revelations coming from all different directions. So all, this woman walks up, and did you hear in the spirit, this is going to be your wife? Yes, yes. Now, I, I hope you were, were smart enough not to tell her that. Oh, I was. <laughs> but she saw that lady. Tell me what was wrong with that lady. That, that lady basically just had a meltdown. It was a, a group of about 100 people, and she just, people were praying, and she just heard certain things, and from her point of view, she had everything, you know, I've got that spirit, I got that, I got, and the next thing you know, she's writhing on the floor, and so I said, not to make a big scene here, I just walked over and knelt down, and I whispered, and dealt with some emotional healing, she was a believer, I dealt some mental strongholds, brought them down, and some demonic deliverance, all within, I would say, less than a 20-minute period, she stood up on her feet, with a countenance change, with a smile on her face. And everybody was saying, we never saw anything like that. That's, that's fast. And that was, I think, Jennifer's key to later say, when we're done, I want you to pray for me. And that was a phrase that God had given me that said, you're going to know your wife because she's going to she's going to ask you to pray for she's going to pray for you and ask you to pray for her. And and here is the most wonderful thing what he's about to tell you that he did for the woman that became his wife everyone that takes his course can start moving in this realm. Um it's it's you know what it's so easy I think we needed the devil to get us confused on walking in the presence of God seven days a week, 24-7. When your wife, she wasn't your wife yet, but when she asked you, teach me how to do this, and then she had results, what happened to her when you taught her how? When I taught her, well, at first she says, I already dealt with this. I already dealt with this. And then she realized that there's a lot of turmoil on the inside of her, that she really hadn't dealt with it as thoroughly as she thought. Uh, she had prayed, pray after me prayers, but they didn't all take. And so all of a sudden she recognized that in applying herself, we, we would pray 20 minutes after work, four to five days a week. And in two months' time, 
people that knew her a lifetime could not believe the change. That's where we even said the 60-day challenge, we call it, because Jennifer was radically transformed in 60 days. She didn't recognize herself. Matter of fact, she says, I could tell you stories of our ministry. She said, but I am the story. (laughs) Now, are you finding that people that either take your seminar or, or buy the tapes in the workbook without you being there are able to get the same types of results? Absolutely. Tell me one person that comes to mind. That got the same results. Just apart from that, uh, we've gotten people that were, well, there was a Navy SEAL out on the West Coast that when they opt out of the hard, difficult training, they go in and uh, the expression is they ring the bell. They say, I want out. I'm opting out. Well, I didn't know is they sent him to the chaplain. And the chaplain used our teaching and hmm. told him, he says, and he came in and he says, that commanding officer had it in for me. He says, close your eyes. Who's the first person? He said, my mother. And he, he forgave his mother and got dramatically healed. And this chaplain was reading it off of a card. I, I The thing... That, and and I, I have to be candid. I haven't taken this course yet, but I'm learning by just reading uh, the book. I've, re- I've read the book, and I'm looking forward to taking the course. But just reading the book, uh, it's like just some paradigm changes that I've made in myself uh, because it's not that complex. I mean, when someone goes through your course, all of a sudden— They can operate in discernment. And in this day and age we're living in, I don't think people are going to make it without being able to know the difference between their mind and the flesh and the spirit. Uh, They start, and here's the thing that's so amazing to me. Uh, Let's take your wife. Uh, When she began to commune with God 24-7, she got healed of a number of conditions. What was she healed of? Uh, The first one was we were lying in bed, and she's had, uh, I can't remember the exact name, a tachycardia of some sort that she had had from for 20-some years where she took uh, uh, heart, heart, medi- condition. heart condition. Heart uh, uh, where, condition. Where probably the beat speeds up yes, or is irregular. Yes. And if it doesn't stop, you just die. There's no cure. Ooh. And, and her, her late husband was a physician, and he said, I've never seen anything so bad, and she had to take digitalis that if it ever started, and even that didn't guarantee. And she'd have episodes from 20, from age 20 to age 50. She had episodes on a monthly basis. We're laying in bed, and all of a sudden, I could feel demonic fear in the room. Nobody said a word. I said, Jennifer, what are you doing? She says, I'm having one of those episodes. And I said, Let's receive. I said, the fear in the room is tremendous. I said, it's at demonic proportion. It's not soulish. It's demonic. So she received forgiveness right while she was having a heart palpitation. I received forgiveness for allowing fear, something God never gave me. And she got peace on the inside, but felt fear all around her. And we said, let the perfect love of God from the inside cast that fear off. And she did it. We're talking 10 minutes and found out it's been uh, 15 years now. She's never had another episode again. Now, this is not unusual. What Dennis is explaining is once people 
get his teaching. And uh, basically, this is not taught in most church. Why isn't this not uh, standard teaching, standard discipleship in every church in the world? I think the number one thing is we found that that everything needs to start with the emotions, that emocognition, emovolition. Those emotions control your thinking. Those emotions control your... Whoops, we're out of time. We'll pick up here on tomorrow's broadcast, Mishpucha. Let me tell you something. As we just started this show, this studio is flooded with the presence of God. Uh, Dennis Clark, are you feeling that same presence that I'm oh, feeling yes. right now? Absolutely. Is God speaking to you any words of knowledge? Or, because when I feel his presence so strong, I believe God wants to say something. I believe that he's got a word for people that you, they have an anointing within and that they could be touching and deeply aware of his presence. It's more available than they ever know. It's the simplicity of Messiah on the inside, and it's a reality. It's not theory. Yeah, you know, when I read your book, uh, you quoted a scripture. Uh, I've been crucified with the oh, Messiah. Yes. It's no longer I who live, but the Messiah who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself for me. But uh, the thing that jumped out at me when I read that in your book, it's no longer I who live, but the Messiah who lives in me. That's what you're saying. Yes. And it's it's so simple. It's it sometimes confounds us because it's an awareness and a presence that is available. And every aspect of his character and his nature, all those wonderful attributes are available to us. And they're in us and they can be applied to the situations of life. The interesting thing about Galatians 2.20 was that, is that this also suggests that he's the forgiver. He's our deliverer. And if, if, it is no longer I who live, but the Messiah who lives within me. Then it is no longer I who love, but the Messiah who loves in me. It also suggests it is no longer I who forgive, but the Messiah in me who forgives. And when we allow him, Philippians 2.13 takes place automatically. For it is the Messiah within that I yield who wills and to do his good pleasure. As I yield to him, he works. As I touch him and allow him to work, he works. So, so it's no longer striving is what you're Absolutely. saying. Absolutely, It's no longer works. It's yielding rather. It's not being totally passive, but it's yielding to him rather than you're doing it yourself. Correct. Correct. That's, it's, it's actually militant when we understand that it's the force of love in us that is the motivation. It's the pouring out of our belly, rivers of life, living water, flowing outward. We're better at talking than we are at allowing him to rule. Well, let's use an example of someone that uh, sat under this teaching, like uh, let's say that 18-year-old girl that had to learn to forgive herself. Yes, yes. She, she was stuck in a, in a relationship, and she felt it was manipulative and controlling, but she seemed like she, she was frustrated. She even asked her parents uh, who were pastors if she could fly down and have a session uh, with, with Dennis and 
she flew down and she said, now you taught me how to do this, but I'm struggling. I've got this relationship and I don't want to hate them. And that made perfect sense, you know, because at that point, how do I, how do I break free? Uh, and I said, we're going to receive forgiveness for opening an emotional attachment. Receive forgiveness for opening up to a relationship because your emotions belong to Th- God. This was an abusive relationship yeah. she was in. Yeah. And it was, it was so that basically she just wanted to release forgiveness to them, and she did. She received forgiveness, but she needed that attachment broken. And I said, you belong to the, to the Messiah within he is your Lord. Therefore, even mind, will, and your emotions belong to him. And when she did that, she had a remarkable little statement that she made afterwards. She said, I don't have to hate them, but the pull is no longer there. The pull, the force of, of lustful attraction or even, even the need to be with that individual, suddenly that attraction was broken. Uh, we, we might use a word from psychology, uh, the addiction yes. was broken. Yes, absolutely. Uh, in, in, in speaking about that, um, most Christian counselors say forgiveness is a process. That's not what God taught you. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, as a matter of fact, some even go uh, a step a step further, and they say, well, it's good to experience the the pain of trying to forgive someone, and it's a real process. Yeah. Well, our Messiah took our pain and our sorrow, and in that taking of it, we still have the ability to release it and place it in his hands, and he takes it, and listen to this, he takes it every time. For me, it's like salvation. It works every time. It is not hit and miss. The only reason we have hit and miss results is primarily is because we're doing it by accident rather than really doing it out of an awareness of Christ within. He takes it every time. It's like dropping it on a conveyor belt. You yield to, to, the, to the Messiah within, and he takes it. Forgiveness flows out of the belly like rivers of living water, and it takes it out. It washes it out and takes it out. Well, you you basically have said in your experience, 99% of Christians don't know how to forgive. They think it's a process. Uh, give me a, a, an example of how you forgive. All right. When I forgive, you know, a lot of times we've been well taught how to how to how to talk, how to pray, how to say the right answers. But I go by the condition of the heart. Is it Christ the forgiver in me doing the work? And it's by yielding to him and recognizing Christ in me going to any negative, any negative is a barrier between me and him. That's the criteria. And if it doesn't change to peace, down low, in the belly. If it doesn't change to peace, it hasn't been thoroughly cleansed. Peace is the supernatural evidence or the supernatural exchange that Christ the forgiver in you went to it and took it with him, took it away. 
Now, you talk about uh, something called drop-down. Most people do not know where their spirit is. They, they point to their heart. Uh, they'll, they'll point even uh, to, the, to the middle of their chest. But where is the spirit? Yeah, the heart is the bowels, the belly, the kidneys. It's even, uh, in, in some translations, referred to as the womb. It's, it's, it's in the gut. And the gut is where the conscience, your spirit, the seat of the emotions, you know, bowels of compassion. Uh, it's also the place of the conscience. Everything but your thoughts, which are in your head. And, and, you know, most people don't know, but scientists have even proven they call that in your guts your second brain. Yes. And all internal knowings, and especially having been walking in discernment for so many years, all inner knowings are seeing, hearing, or touching primarily. There's even smell and taste in the spirit realm, but primarily it's seeing, hearing. You know in your knower through seeing, hearing, or touching, but the the fact that I believe this needs to be uh, reintroduced to the church, like the Brother Lawrence practicing the presence, is because this walk in the spirit is a constant compared to flashes of insight with seeing and hearing. I, I like that. Okay, how, tell me, how should I forgive someone that has offended me? Uh, let's suppose a business partner, I'm making Correct. this up, has offended me deeply. And every time I hear his name, I have chosen as a believer to forgive him. I have willed to forgive him, but I feel like acid churning in my stomach when his name is brought up. How do I get rid of that acid? I'll tell you, the easiest way particularly for listeners, put their hand on the belly. I got my hand on my belly right now. I'll, I'll tell you what. Any person that comes to your mind, there is a corresponding emotion every time, no exceptions. And so that person, that corresponding emotion is down there where your hand is. And whether you can name it or not, you know it's not the fruit of the Spirit. You know there's something between you and them and the only way you can tell something between you and them is gone is peace. So we let, listen to this, let, allow, no trying. I let, I allow Christ the forgiver in me go to that negative wall, emotion, to it and through it. And he carries it away on a river of loving, living water, loving forgiveness. It's a... It's loving forgiveness that flows out of my belly. And when it changes to peace, this takes literally takes seconds for most people. I can, and when you can picture that person in your head and feel peace down in your heart, you have a historical record in your head, but you've got the heavenly record in the gut. You're clean inside. You know what is so wonderful, Dennis, is to be able to live in this supernatural peace 24-7. I believe that you're walking then stress-free, and let's face it, most doctors say most physical conditions they can trace to tr stress in the body, but then 
you can be confident in hearing God's voice. How many Christians are confident for them? They're confident in, in, in someone else hearing God's voice. But how many are confident in them hearing God's voice? How many are confident that the promises of God are going to operate in their life? How, how many have this supernatural discernment to know what's really going on in the spirit realm? This isn't taught in churches. Everyone needs it. That's the missing thing that you've been looking for. The entire course, it's a book, a workbook, and 10 CDs available for a gift of $59. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. Dennis, uh, in your experience, especially based on what God has taught you. And, and here's the amazing thing. Thousands of people have taken this teaching, and it absolutely works in their life. As a matter of fact, some very well-known leaders whose names we can't even uh, mention publicly that you'd be shocked over have taken this course, and it's revolutionized their life. It's not taught in most churches. So, Dennis— what is blocking the promises of God operating in our lives? Well, we know, of course, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The primary, though, is the love of God. Love is the nature of God. And I learned everything in discernment by nature. I feel it, and I identify its nature and its name and its nature matches. So the promises that people have had, even whether it was through prophetic words or in their devotions, the love of God, faith works by the love of God. But there is, there is an opposite, that, and that is we can think lofty thoughts and it not be the love of God. But from the heart, to, to know the difference is the flow of love is an awareness of his nature on the inside. When there's an absence of that nature, any little absence that's not that presence, that peace, the love, the joy. Uh, when you say absence, you mean the opposite the of opposite. love, joy, peace, right. the fruits of the Spirit. Right, right. And I think the challenge— But, but the truth of the matter is— I, you know, you're human. You're in an imperfect world with imperfect people and an imperfect devil. Uh, what do you expect, to be able to walk in this kind of love 24-7? Yes, I believe that that's why God gave us forgiveness. That's the love message where the rubber meets the road. He gave us a way to reconnect in a, an imperfect world. He's on the inside of us doing the forgiveness to reestablish peace with God, peace with man, peace with ourselves, and peace with our circumstances even. And to stay there is addictive. It's addictive in a healthy way is because you get drawn to it, and it gets to the point where anything negative that interrupts your peace, it's really not worth it. It's something coming between you and God. But, but you know, you can teach this, and someone can shake their head, yes, but we're such creatures of habit. How do we get to do this 24-7 without uh, falling in failure and, and repenting so yeah. often? Well, you, you, uh, it's amazing what a slight 
moment of victory can do on the inside. The, the counterfeit to the love of God is lust. Well, what, 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 I'm not sure I understand. What, what do you mean that's the counterfeit? The counterfeit. It's, it's the thing that people, even in their spirit, confuse. They confuse lust with love. Uh, can you give me an example? Yeah, there's a, there, when they see, uh, well, let's go with my lusts. We'll start with my. I see a donut store, and all of my senses are being given power to that donut store. And I start thinking, I could probably eat a dozen of those donuts. All while I'm focused on that, there is the key in the gut will be mild anxiety. Anxiety means I'm coming out of prayer. Prayer for me is to be in his presence and have peace. So losing my peace is an indication that I'm moving away or being drawn away from him within. So, so lust you might define also as, I want it now. Yes. Right this minute, I want that donut. That's right. I want it, and I want it now. I want what I want, and I want it now. Now, help me. I, I may get into trouble right now, but many approaches for money, for good Christian causes, it seems to me the appeal is lust and not love. Am I wrong? No. Uh, I've taught this even in, in our course, how when you listen to anything— no matter how sincere the words are, learn to have uh, implement your own equipment, and that is dual listening. Listen to what their words are saying, but, but feel whether the nature of Messiah is on those words. In other words, we have equipment, and we're responsible to develop it. So it doesn't matter what someone says on TV if you have this what you call dual listening. listening. What a difference this makes in someone's life. Absolutely. Businessmen could use this with contracts. A deal could come on your table that looks too good to be true. But if you have an unsettledness— And, and usually they say if it's too good <laughs> to, to be, be true, true it it's usually is. not true. <laughs> but, but, if, but, if, but, you know, the truth of the matter is most Christians look to their pastor, to their mentor, uh, to hear from God. That's not the way God no. created us. That's not the no. way God wired us. Why are we so dependent on others rather than God? Because we fail to locate the equipment and develop it properly. We basically, it's easier to get it from somebody else than to develop our equipment. That's my soapbox, really, is I believe everyone has an anointing. It abides within, but they need to, to have their senses exercised so that they can discern good and evil. They need to operate and practice, practice, practice. Practicing the presence for Brother Lawrence was still practice. But you know what? When I read his book, I still could not get a handle on how to do what he said. I wanted what he said, practicing the presence of God, but I couldn't get a handle. Your book and your course is really a how-to step-by-step, and it's so simple. When Jennifer told me, I don't care what people told you. They said, we don't understand this. How you do this? She says, teach me. And she forced me to teach her step by step how I related with God, stuff that I never even said out loud. I started saying out loud to her. And then I 
bore witness with her spirit when she was doing it right by discernment and said, there, now you're doing it right. No, that, you're, you've got anxiety going on now. And by the hit and miss, she learned quickly. She was learning how to use the spiritual equipment that was in her. What about the person that's listening right now? They've just lost their job. Uh, they don't have the money to pay their mortgage. Uh, their grace is over. They're about ready to lose their house. Uh, their, their family is in turmoil. How can someone like that be activated in peace? No. I mean, there can't be an ostrich. No, no, but they, they have. What, what, if they took your course, what could they do? What they could do is eliminate the torment in the midst of a bad situation. That, is, that potential is for every believer. You have that capacity that in the midst of the worst circumstances that he can give you at least the peace of that he's in charge, he's ruling, and even before you have an answer, the torment goes. But even better than that? From what I'm understanding in this course, when the love of God is released, it changes the circumstances and the situation. That, that is so amazing to me. Yes. As a matter of fact, when you can walk like that, you don't even have to pray to be physically healed. You'll just be instantly healed. What, what are you seeing in marriages when people uh, follow what the Lord taught you? They're learning to put God first, and in the relationship, it's like the husband and the wife are finding that they're both using their spiritual equipment in the problem-solving. They're using the Bible, of course, as their standard, but they're using in the gut a green light from the husband and a green light from the wife, and you start seeing marriages that are getting put back together again. I, I see people that are... Uh, have marriage counselors, and they use, and by the way, there's some good things in psychology. They use a psychological techniques. People have studied the mind and the brain. Uh, but what is the difference between those that have good biblical psychological counseling and those that take your course? What would the difference be? Oh, the absolute difference is I've seen people that were received some of the best advice in the world, but they left depressed. They felt like they got good information of what their problem was, but they went out with their problem and they felt worse than when they came in. This, this approach is basically a relationship with God that must end with the fruit of the Spirit or I don't believe you received ministry. When you say end with the fruit of the Spirit, explain what you mean. By ending with the fruit of the Spirit, I mean is any problem that you are able to present to him, he leaves with a sense of peace, internal resolution, internal conflict is gone, chaos. My guest, Dennis Clark, had a 30-day visitation from the Lord in which the Lord taught him how to be in his presence seven days a week, 24-7, how to walk in such peace uh, that nothing could take away your peace, how to have every promise in God's Word 
operate, how to operate in discernment, hearing from your spirit rather than hearing from your natural senses and making a conclusion from your brain. It's much better. Have you noticed? Most people are actors. You can't go on what people say. You have to know for yourself how to hear God's voice for yourself so that you don't have to go to your pastor, your mentor, someone someone else. You don't have to be so unconfident uh, that that I can't hear God's voice. I got to go to someone else. What does God say? It's time for you to be normal as defined by the Bible. And, and Dennis, uh, you just teach it so simply, uh, but it's a matter of taking this course so it becomes a lifestyle as opposed to you learn it and then you forget it. Uh, but tell me three steps to help someone become biblically normal. To become biblically normal, it's going to start with uh, location, location, location. You've got to know the oh, heart. Oh, are you in real estate? Oh, yes. I'm Absolutely. <laughs> okay. It's the real estate of where the Holy Spirit resides in you, and will you let him rule? Because then we can do one, two, three. When you know that he's down in your heart, your Bible heart, the first step is any in normal life. And, and by the way, that's such a simple but yet profound statement. Very few Christians know where their spirit is. Correct. They think their spirit is, is in their chest or in their heart, their physical heart. But it's in the guts. Even medical science now is coming up with the fact that they call that your second brain. But I want to operate out of that brain all the time. Correct. And the first thing that you learn is that once you have peace down there in that second brain, in the gut, when there's peace there, you're under the Messiah's rule. He, he's ruling at that moment, even if it feels like nothing. Nothing's a, a good thing compared to anything toxic. Turmoil. Turmoil. Chaos. So uh, nothing or peace nothing is or what peace you're after. Nothing or peace is okay. good. And from that place, any person or situation that comes into your life, step one, any person or situation that causes you, if you're paying attention, down low, to lose that peace. Uh, why is it that we don't even pay attention to this supernatural gift that God has given us? Why, why do we ignore it? I believe because we're too much in our head, to be honest. We're, we're, we're too cerebral sometimes. And God doesn't want us to throw our brains so, away. So our greatest asset is sometimes our greatest liability. Yes, yes. And I equate it, and this is strange for a man to equate it, but to really understand this, to me, it is like a woman that is pregnant carrying precious cargo. She can go about her business in the office or in home, but she is aware and that's the key word, to think, utilize your brain, utilize your five senses in, in the hustle and bustle of life, but always know that it's dual listening and there's an awareness, there's precious cargo. And if it's precious, anything that's upsetting down there is a red flag. Any negative, toxic emotion, anxiety, even in its mildest form, you want to get back to the place of peace. That's the normal Christian life. That's the Brother Lawrence practicing the presence. Anything that comes between you and peace means it's coming between you and Messiah. Uh, give me an example of things that can come between okay. you and Messiah. 
Here's the favorite example. You are walking in peace all day long, and you think you're just having the time of your life. And you go to the local grocery store, and coming down the aisle the other way is your, is your uh, enemy. Someone who's really has it in for you, someone that's done you harm in the past, and they're walking towards you. Invariably, the way we do, even as Christians, in the flesh, is down in the gut, you put up a wall. And you go, oh, there's Ralph coming down the aisle. I'm going to listen to him with my head, but I just put a wall up in my gut or my heart. Or the door of my heart, is another way to say it, is closed to him. And what we're saying is that is not the normal Christian life. That's not a natural way to live. That's something that's fleshly, but the natural way to live is to see Ralph coming. Drop down into the gut area and presence God and feel his peace. When his peace is ruling, the scripture that actually takes place as a, an experience is the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It really, really works. It's not been tried, though. Okay, tell me the second step. The second step would be when you feel a negative emotion coming from Ralph and you feel it in your gut, you let, you feel the emotion, but you're presenting it to the Christ in you. And as you yield it to the forgiver in you, you let him go to that feeling and through that feeling. It's like Jesus walked through walls while well, he's walking through and carrying away that toxic emotion. And the evidence that it was a supernatural exchange or a supernatural transaction is that it changes to a supernatural peace. And the peace that was given to us is supernatural. Okay, tell me about someone that's, say, a Christian. <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to get this out of my mouth. A Christian, but yet is living in sin, and they say, I feel peace. Oh. What would you say? I'd say I could show them a test on how to find out if it was really peace. There's how? a lot of false peace. False peace means I'm doing what I want to do. I have a peace about it. <laughs> you know, that it's almost become... Uh, it's as if you have to take my word for it. But to a discerning person, you could say, you could simply tell them that, that there is a, in their so-called peace, there's a hardness that is discernible. In other words, uh, you can say no so many times that you be desensitize yourself so your to the Holy Spirit. Well, your conscience is seared. Yeah. And that's going on with a lot of people today. Correct. But a person of faith can be in their presence and, I believe, reactivate that hardness to where they can feel the presence of the true. When the, when it's called, I would call it displacement. In other words, if I had peace ruling in my heart and you had hardness of heart, I could release the love of God to you, and even on that hardness of heart, conviction could be re-stirred up again. If not from that person's own relationship, then from the outside— they need the legitimate to challenge the counterfeit, in other words. Well, you know what's so wonderful? You have got such a simplistic course that by the time someone finishes this course, they've developed the habit patterns of listening to their spirit. Uh, they've gotten rid of all, all these toxic blockages 
uh, especially in their emotional area, and they can be normal as defined by the Bible. Uh, Tell me the next step. The next step is after that forgiveness, there is an internal strength in whatever area that was, meaning that, say, it's a recurring person. Say you're going to see Ralph regularly. You will notice that what used to devastate, now it irritates, and later it becomes like water rolling off a back. You are, you are growing in spiritual prowess. I actually call that the fruit of patience. Patience is, is holding the heart open but getting stronger in the spirit all the time. So repetitive situations, uh, you actually walk in a stronger anointing of displacement. You know, I have to believe when someone operates that way, and you've been operating that way for many years, even your enemies become your friends. Tell me about a real person that experienced that. Well, there was a a young man, pastor, very young, and he didn't like or understand some of the things I was teaching. And he decided, he didn't name my name, but he wrote three consecutive articles. And it fit me so well, I knew who he was talking about. And it was public. And that first time, it devastated me. I thought I was going to just get sick in my stomach, just physically sick the first time. And I released forgiveness, and it came to peace. But in the back of my mind said, there's, a, there's article number two coming next week. <laughs> and article two came next week, it bothered me. Article 3 came the third week, and the love of God was flowing out of me, and it was a finished work. And, and the article was just knocking your oh, teaching. It was knocking teaching. It was knocking everything, false accusations. But after those three times, he basically, I would see him around town for as much as 10 years And he went to a pastor's meeting 10 years later and broke down sobbing in front of all these pastors and said, 10 years ago, I personally attacked Dennis Clark, he said, and he's been nothing but a gentleman to me for 10 years. And he says, I want to publicly, publicly acknowledge that I love that man. I believe what he's teaching. And he says, and I've even been a recipient of it. How would you like to walk in this kind of love? Commune with God literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Operate in supernatural discernment. Hear God for yourself. Walk in divine health. Walk in this supernatural peace. You can do this with this entire course book, workbook, 10 CDs, available for a gift of $59. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box, 39222 Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, 
The number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. 